Welcome back to the Wally Pit Podcast. I'm Ryan Upton. And I'm Jake. We are still in quarantine here at Olivet. Jake is still at home. I hope you guys enjoyed last week's episode uh, where we talked about baseball, some other stuff, fantasy football, some other segments. The Trevor Bauer segment, which we'll for sure to get into this week again. Uh, hopefully next week when this whole quarantine, isolation here at Olivet will be over. We will be back in person. Everything will be back to normal. And episodes from then on will sound better, be smoother, and stuff like that. Thank you again for uh, listening and hanging with us through this tough time. So let's just get into this postseason baseball. We made some predictions last week, Jake, about what we think the postseason the first round, the wild card series was going to be about who we thought was going to win and who didn't. Obviously, some of our predictions were wrong. Yeah. Uh, for me, the biggest upset was uh, the Astros coming along and beating Houston. I mean, not only beating them, but sweeping them in a three-game series. You know, for me, that's a series I thought the Twins were easily capable of winning. Um, the Twins are like O for the last 28 or something, O and 28. In their last, like, basically they haven't won a postseason game in, like, forever. I think Houston, who has a lot on their plate, um, you know, I think they have it coming. And Minnesota just disappointed, so that one sucked. You know, the Marlins, that's it. The Marlins-Cubs series, um, that one was up in the air for me. You know, the Cubs, I know, weren't the same Cubs teams, excuse me, the same Cub team as they were in, like, 2016. You know, they didn't get the production out of Javier Baez or... Anthony Rizzo as they expected this year, but they were they're still the Cubs. They still have big names. They still have the clutch factor, and the Miami Marlins, you know, beat them two games to none, and now they're playing today in an NLDS game against the Braves, and the Marlins are currently winning that game right now. So it's really cool to see the Marlins, uh, who are seven to zero all time in their postseason series. You know, the Marlins are a team that were an expansion expansion team in the late '90s, so they haven't got a really good um, resume on their. A postseason resume per se, but the Marlins came in and they uh, they're seven and zero all time postseason. Looks like they might be eight and zero after today. They're uh, up on a really good Braves team, so that that was really cool. I'm excited to see where uh, postseason goes with the with Miami. Yeah, going back to the Mar- uh, the Marlins and Cubs series, the I saw a stat. I don't know if you were watching the game the other day where Rizzo, Bryant, and Baez were, I think five for twenty. Eight or something, and that well in that series, but they haven't hit over. I think it was like 130 since their 2016 World Series win, and it kind of showed that. I mean, that's their core three on the offensive side, at least, where they just can't. They haven't been able to produce since the World Series. So it was interesting to watch that series. I mean, I'm really rooting for the Marlins. They've kind of taken on that uh, bottom feeders quote that came out. I don't know if you saw those shirts that they made. Yeah, so like I, I think I might have to cop one. I was thinking the same thing. I looked on their website the other day and they weren't available yet, but hopefully in the next coming weeks or so they'll be available because I would really like to see them win because I mean everybody that's watching at least from a baseball standpoint, most of the people watching are like who are these players at least to most of them. Right. Well, I think what happened was yeah, hit it spot on you know the Marlins have a whole bunch of guys on their roster that have you know you don't know who Brian Anderson is or Garrett Cooper uh, Miguel Rojas you know he used to play for the Dodgers and he was like a second or third string shortstop or middle infielder and now he's hitting bombs and having a really good year in Miami but like I think it was a Phillies broadcast earlier on in the year that stated that 
you know, the model, like they, the Phillies can't lose to a whole bunch of bottom feeders because, you know, they have names like Bryce Harper and JT Romuto and Reese Hoskins and Aaron Nola, Logan Wheeler, you name it, on their team. And the Marlins just came in and the Phillies aren't in the postseason. The Marlins are, and the Marlins are still undefeated and they're beating the Braves today. So it's really cool. Yeah, I'm, ex- I'm excited to see what they can do, especially after today. I mean, they put up some offense. I was listening to uh, commentary earlier saying, like, the Marlins are a big power team, which the Braves are. The Braves are a big power team, and they hit for home runs while the Marlins are just to uh, get guys in scoring position and just knock them in any way you can, which, I mean, that's, especially for us here at Olivet, I mean, that's pretty relatable. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, they're taking good QAB swings and quality at bats, so... Yeah, and then going into the next series, we had the Athletics versus the White Sox, which was, again, one of those, I picked the White Sox. Honestly, it was disappointing for them. I think their offense was not there in that series, but I really, I'm happy that the A's won. I'm nothing against either team, but I thought the White Sox were going to pull through in that series. Yeah, I think the White Sox, I think there's there's a lot of expectations coming out of that team from the Central. And the only reason, excuse me, the only reason why I was kind of like rooting for them was because, yeah, they're, they're, they're an American League Central team and they're representing the American League Central. So... You know, the Detroit Tigers play them every year, like six, seven series a year. They play against Chicago. So, but there was a lot on their plate. They ran into some good ace pitching. Chris Bassett lights out all year. Jesus Lazardo struggled in game one. The White Sox took game one. But then Mike Fires and the A's bullpen bounced back the rest of the series. And, you know, the A's, it's really cool because now the A's are going to play the Astros, two teams from the AL West. You know, Houston unfortunately won game one, not an Astros fan by any means. It's really cool to see the A's and the Astros going at it. Like I said, two teams from the AL West because now you have this competitiveness. Um, it's just taking the next level. You know how everybody feels about the Astros, but especially a team from that third division. You know, it's going to be super competitive and fun. But I think the White Sox just ran into some good pitching, and the A's bats were just better. Yeah, I totally agree. And then the Padres and Cardinals series, I mean, that was that, that was, was a good series. That was an electric series, to say the, to say the least. I mean, it really kind of showed what kind of players that Machado has kind of turned into. I mean, he's got a bad rep in the MLB the past few seasons, especially with the Dodgers, did some uh, iffy things that stirred a lot of controversy around his name. It also showed a lot from Tatis, what he's actually capable of, and I think he's the future of the MLB, future face. I mean, that ki- I mean he's just crazy to watch. I mean, some of the plays that he made, some of the like, hits. Well, and Tatis is only like 21, 22 years old, and the thing that's cool about him is he has the ability to turn into, you know, who, who would you say is the face of the MLB right now? Because, I, I mean, it's Mike Trout, right? I mean, you have to say Trout. I mean, he's the guy that, he's the goody two-shoes. He'd never do anything wrong. He puts MVP numbers up every single year. He's crazy on the field and off the field. I mean, he does a lot off the field. You can't. I mean, can't put a bad name yeah exactly dude's been in the league for 10 years he's already has over 300 home runs his war his wins above replacements already top 10 like top 10 of all time and he's not even in the hall of fame um his ops is through the roof his average is pretty good you know and he still has he he could still play five to ten more years in the league and you don't know what he could do in that span of time so and tatis you know he's he's shown a lot of promising things he hit Two set like two seventy five during the regular season, um, kind of slowed down a little bit, but dude hit close to twenty home runs, drove in thirty plus RBIs in a sixty game season. That's pretty impressive for a twenty one year old. Yeah, 
And, I mean, I'm excited to see what he's going to bring, especially through this postseason. I think it's going to show what kind of player he is. I think it's kind of going to be a very similar situation to how Juan Soto was last year of a rookie that you kind of heard of. You saw that he was doing pretty good. And then just his name exploded in the postseason. Juan Soto had a really good year this year. Even though the Nationals aren't in the playoffs, um, I think he won the batting title in the National League. Yeah, I mean, and especially coming, for, he had COVID at the beginning of the year too. So that's, I mean, that takes two weeks out of the season where he was behind with everything. Seeing MLB pitching, defensively behind. I mean, for him, that's good, like really good. Moving on to the Brewers Los Angeles series, that was. A very disappointing series. The Brewers just could not figure it out at all. You know, I think I commented and I thought I thought this was a series, the Brewers-Dodgers series. I thought it was a series that could have gone three games, um, especially because the Brewers have Christian Yelich in their lineup. Long story short, the Dodgers have it all. You know, they've been in the postseason the past five seasons. They made it to the World Series twice in that span or three times, whatever it was. And, you know, they could easily win it all get win it all this year. Um, you know, they lost to the Red Sox. They lost to the Astros. But the Dodgers are back for vengeance. They have the bats to do it. They definitely have the pitching with Clayton Kershaw, with Walker Bueller, Bruce Dargatterall, who's a, uh, a young rookie who tucks it up at 100, 101 miles per hour. And the Dodgers are going to... Dodgers are personally my favorite to win it all this year. Yeah, I can see that. I've got nothing against you there. I think they're the most fundamentally sound team out of everyone. And for some reason, Kershaw, who has been what seemed to be cursed in the postseason, has looked good. He looked good in uh, the Game 3 start against the Brewers. Didn't allow a run. I'm curious to see what he's going to do this series. I mean, this is obviously like the, per se, actual postseason. This is where it actually starts. And they... I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens with them. And then our last series that happened was Cincinnati versus the Reds. I personally wanted Cincy to win. Um, that was not the case. Trevor Bauer pitched absolutely phenomenally game one. I mean, it was crazy. Went seven and two thirds, didn't allow a run, didn't walk anybody. I think he had 12 Ks. I mean, just a great performance on his part. The bats just could not could not figure it out. No, Reds had, I mean, I think between the Reds, Brewers, and Cubs, they combined for a total of, like, four, two to four runs that series. Yeah. Were, like, all together. Yeah. Like, there was, the, the pitching got no run production from, from their team, uh, from the respective teams, whether it was the Reds, the Brewers, the Cubs. The Reds scored zero runs. The pitching for the Reds, really good. Trevor Bauer, like you said, dominant, absolutely dominant, and then um, Luis Castillo, also a really good pitching uh, pitcher. Excuse me, in that Reds rotation, pitched really, really well as well. I think he only allowed one or two runs, and then the Reds just couldn't get him any run support. It was really disappointing. I grew up a, a really big Reds fan, um, just because of the players in that organization. Um, Joey Votto is one of my favorite players. I've said it before. It's it sucked because I was really rooting for the Reds uh, to make a push in the postseason, and to see him leave in the first round was was tough. But they ran into a really good Braves team. Uh, the Braves are just better. And then we're gonna move on to the ALDS series. Make our predictions here. Uh, let's just start off with Astros Athletics. Who do you think is gonna win the series? I think I hope for the A's to win. I want the A's to win. Don't I? This one is up in the air for me. Like I don't really know because on the Astros I feel like I feel like the Astros are just a good like they're the Darth Vader of like kind of like the Yankees in a way but 
feel like the Astros are just like a sneaky good team in the postseason just because they've been, you know, they were caught cheating last year. I feel like they're coming back. They're like, they don't care. They have this no care attitude and they're just coming in and whooping everybody's butt. Like they beat the Twins in three, like a two game set. And then, I mean, they beat the, or, uh, the A's, excuse me, 10 to 5 in game one. Astros have decent pitching. Um, I think they got the bats to do it. I think the Astros could surprisingly mess around and take the series, but I hope the A's do it. Yeah, I agree with you there. I hope the A's do it. Same reason as you, Jake. I don't like the Astros for what they did. And I think that them winning even this year would cause a lot of even I think it'd cause even more backlash if they won the World Series this year because they they cheated their way to a World Series and then them winning like a sixty game year where most of the most people are saying this year doesn't even count for all sports in general to be honest like a lot of them are just saying like this year shouldn't count for anything this is this year is gonna have an asterisk by it anyway for the winner no matter who it is, and for the Astros, for them to win another World Series where it sh- not necessarily doesn't count, I think would be a little, little off and cause some backlash towards them even more. Put, to put it simply, for me, I'm not rooting for the Astros, and I don't think anybody should, so. Yeah, agreed. Moving on, then. Uh, Yankees and Rays. I think the Yankees are going to win the series. Um, I think the Yankees are just... Like a like similar with the Astros, they're good. They're good in the postseason, and the Yankees are the original Darth Vader of baseball. You know they had Murderers Row back in the twenties. You know they have twenty seven World Series championships, most in baseball. They're always good in the postseason. They always show up to play when the spotlight's on them. Um, I think the Yankees are going to win the series. I mean, it, it's going to be close. The Rays have the pitching for sure. You know, the and I'm not saying the Yankees don't. The Yankees have Garrett Cole, James Paxton. The list goes on with the Yankees bats. They have a batting title winner in DJ LeMahieu. They have a, two pr- power perennial hitters in Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton. They have Luke Voigt, who's the home run king leader this year. Hit 22 bombs in the regular season. I think the Yankees are going to win this series. I'm kind of rooting for the Rays just because I don't like the Yankees, but I think the Yankees are going to win it. Yeah, uh, I think I'm going to make a bold prediction here, and I'm going to say the Rays are actually going to win this. I think the Rays, depending on depending on tonight's game on Tuesday, which is today. I hope the Rays bats, they have a sneaky lineup that can put runs together, kind of like the Marlins where, yeah, they'll hit some home runs here and there, but they're more of like the drive the runner in and get them over and move them over and a bunch of other stuff. And they're pitching, if it can just wake up, I mean, last, their game one was rough because Snell is the guy that is supposed to, that, yeah, that, he was supposed to be like the lock lockdown game I was expecting it to be a pitcher's duel and to be honest it wasn't in game one but I'm gonna say the Rays but I'm gonna say it's gonna be I'm gonna say it's gonna take all five I think it's gonna be a five game series but I think the Rays take it in five and I respect that I'm I'm rooting for the Rays it'd be nice to see the Rays win you know the Rays besides I think you put two and two together I think the Cincinnati Reds and the Tampa Bay Rays have the best the two best rotations in baseball yeah, but we've also talked about the Padres, you know, Mike Clevenger, Chris Paddock, Zach Davies, the Nelson Lamette. Their rotation has gotten better, too. But you, at the end of the day, on paper, the Rays and the Reds have the two best lineups or uh, pitching rotations. And these are two teams I predicted going to the, like, that could have even made it to the World Series. Rays are still in it, obviously, but the Reds are not, just based on their rotations. So the, the Rays could easily win this series alone based on... If their pitching does well and they get some run support, pitching wins ball games. Like you said, there's a very, very good chance it could go to five games, and I think it could go to five games because game one, Blake Snell, 
got lit up a little bit. Garrett Cole also allowed some runs. You know, pitching's not perfect all the time. So if the bats come to play, it can go to five games. Yeah, that's exactly where I'm coming from. And then speaking of the Dodgers, or I mean the Padres, excuse me, what do you think about the Padres-Dodgers series? I think it's going to be a good series. Um, I don't know what to expect yet. I think the Dodgers are the best team in baseball, but I think the Padres are easily like the most exciting. I think with Fernando Tatis and Manny Machado on the left side of their infield, two exciting players to watch. Fernando Tatis, future face of the MLB. Um, he's already making a case for MVP this year. I think Padres are just really fun to watch. Dodgers are really good. Padres are also really good. So this series is going to be electric. It's going to be really fun to watch. I think it's it could very well go five games, but if the Padres' bats get hot, the Padres could win it. If the Dodgers keep hitting like the, like the Dodgers do, they're going to win it. It just depends on pitching, and it depends on the bats. I think it go, this series could go five games, but if I have to predict, I think the Dodgers are going to pull it out. Yeah, I think, that, I think the Dodgers will too. They've got the postseason experience that the Padres do not have. But as you said, this, this is going to be a great series. I really see it going five games. Um, Tatis and Machado, I mean, that's going to be the backing of their lineup with Moose coming in too. I think they are going to have a great, great lineup. That's sh- It's just going to go down to pitching, as you said. I think this is going to be a start of a rivalry that's going to last a few years. It's going to cause some heat and some problems, but we could even see problems this series. I mean, they're both, they're both loud and obnoxious teams that are exciting to watch. So, again, Dodgers and five for me, but I think it's going to be a great series to watch. Lastly, Marlins and Braves. Um, I think this series could surprise a lot of people. Marlins are sneaky good. Um, I think, you know, they have a lot on their plate. You know, they've never lost a postseason series. They want to go in there and keep the streak alive, and they want to go in there and hit it well. Yeah, that's what everybody wants to do. You know, the Marlins are a team that hasn't, they haven't been in the postseason um, in a long time since, you know, they were the Florida Marlins. And I don't think they have a really young roster. Um, not a lot of experience, kind of similar to the Padres. You know, the Padres have Manny Machado, Eric Hosmer, you know, a few guys who've, Mike Clevenger included, who have been in the postseason. Now you look at this Marlins team, Eric, or uh, their leadoff hitter, Birdie, Garrett Cooper, Brian Anderson, Miguel Rojas, like the list goes on. The Marlins have like no postseason experience on that team. Besides, you know, the exception of uh, Don Mattingly, the coach who when he, I mean, when he coached the Dodgers, he, he made it to the postseason a couple times. Um, Jesus Aguilar with the Brewers, I think, made it to the postseason a couple, like once or twice. Um, I know he wasn't in Milwaukee that long. Long story short, I think the Braves have more postseason, postseason experience. They've been in the postseason the last three or four years. In the, la- in the last 10 years, they've been there at least five times. The Marlins, zero times. So I think I think it's going to be a close one. I think the Braves are going to pull it out, but I think I'm rooting for the Marlins. Marlins are the underdog story. I'm, I like what they got. I think they're exciting to watch. I'm rooting for the Marlins, but I think the Braves are going to take it. Yeah, very. As the game stands right now, four to four to nine, Braves are on top in the seventh inning, or they're through seven right now. I oh, think. Winning now? Yeah, the the Braves are winning now. I just the problem with the Marlins is as soon as it gets to their bullpen, it's a shaky ride, and they can't really count on that bullpen. And if they can't count on that bullpen, it's going to be a real struggle for them to win games. But if their starting pitchers can go at least six to seven, I think they're in a good spot to take at least at least two games and maybe push this into a game five, hopefully. 
I, I'm rooting for the Marlins. As you said before, they've got a lot more postseason experience than the Braves. Or the Braves have a lot more postseason experience than the Marlins, I mean. And I don't know. I think Don Mattingly can do something special this year. I hope he does. I mean, he's got the backing of, like, this is a team that is going to scrap their way to win a championship. And hopefully they do. I'm hoping they win. However, I think the Braves are going to win it in four, maybe five. On to our next segment, which is the Trevor Bauer. What's what's he been up to this week? Uh, after his game performance, his heck of a performance in game one of the wild card series, he, uh, he was a little upset. He posted his last vlog for the COVID season. If you guys still haven't checked those out, I recommend it. They're very entertaining to see like what the MLB players are doing. It's like a vlog style, like day in the life, taking you through like what he does on a daily basis. I mean, he's kind of a nerd. I mean, he's not kind of, he is a nerd. He takes like over a hundred tests of himself a day, draws his own blood and a bunch of other stuff. He's into the huge sabermetrics portion of the game and a bunch of other stuff like that. However, this week he got into it with um, some of the fans actually and said that he was um, considering all 30 teams this year for his free agency as he's going into free agency this upcoming winter. I'm curious to see where he goes. People were even giving him crap about the Astros because he is not a fan of them. He's caused some backlash towards them, and he's even created the Houston Asterix t-shirts along with Houston Cheated t-shirts on his own personal website. He was asked about them, and he said he, he's considering all 30 teams. He just wants a team that is going to go out there and compete and has a chance to win. However, speaking of that, winning and a bunch of other stuff, cool things that he did this year, the Cincinnati Reds actually put a, I think it's 12-foot-tall Cincinnati Bud Can in front of Great American Ballpark like five days ago. With, I did not know about this. Yeah, and he was he was pretty amped about that because he, he was the one that brought upon the Reds the Cincinnati Buds. And he took that kind of under his belt and did some cool things with that. Some brand, a lot of good branding stuff through that. Yeah, I think that's a way the like uh, the Cincinnati Reds way of saying, "Hey, Trevor, we want you to come back." Yeah. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he does. Um, I think he liked in Cincinnati a lot, especially with Sonny Gray and Luis Castillo. You know, then they have Wade Miley and Anthony Desclafani. Like they have a couple other good arms too, but. Those top three, Trevor Bauer, Luis Castillo, and Sonny Gray, like that's a really good rotation. So I don't see why Trevor, maybe if he is getting more money elsewhere, but if you said he just wants, it's all about the competition, you know, Cincinnati is a good place to be. That The competition is there. He's got two good arms behind him. Bats are good. Like Cincinnati's not a bad place to be. No, and I agree with that. Lastly, going to him after this season completed, I mean, he's got a lot of love on Twitter He's gained over, I think, 200 and some thousand followers on Twitter, which Twitter is, in my opinion, one of the harder social medias to build a following on. So for him to gain over 200,000 followers in one season just shows like what he's done for baseball and what he's doing to brand himself. And I'm looking forward to seeing what he's doing right now through the postseason the other day, or actually last night, he was doing like a live breakdown of the game while it was happening for the uh, Rays and Yankees 
which is actually pretty interesting to watch. It kind of gave me new understanding of how he goes attacking pitchers and how other pitchers go attacking things. He was breaking down uh, Garrett Cole and Snell and like all the other pitchers during the game, and it was actually pretty cool to watch. And he said he was going to do more of that this postseason. He's also still continuing his vlogs, from what I understand. So I'm curious to see what he does. He's did a great thing for MLB this year. He caused a lot of controversy, but the game needs controversy to keep growing. And I'm excited to see what yeah, he, he does. Yeah, expressing his opinion, um, which there's nothing wrong with that. You know, he actually stood up for the league. He stood up for the players. You know, he's a really good baseball representative. And, you know, uh, this Trevor Bauer segment we do is not something we're going to continue on with. It's just he's been an exciting player to watch and, like, get behind in a 60-game season. You know, he's very expressive. He's very opinionated. He's energetic. You know, it's kind of, it kind of reminds me of, like, how we are uh, um, here at Olivet, you know. We're not the best program in the world. We're trying to build a following for ourselves. Or, uh, we're trying to build something special here. Um, and I think Trevor Bowers, like us in a lot of ways, we're building up. We have a lot of spark. We're energetic. And that's why Trevor Bowers is fun, like, fun to get behind because he's very similar like that. And that's why we've talked about him because he's, he's, like, he's like a comet kind of. Yeah, and he just cares too much about the game for to see it crash. And he's Absolutely. he's he's seen a he's seen a trend of fans being lost and he's trying to revitalize that. Dig into a deeper like deeper fan base, try to bring people back and this season even though it was even 60 games, he did a great job this year of bringing fans back to the game. And this won't be the last time we talk about him for sure. However, it's the off-season. He's taking a break. I mean, he's definitely not going to be in the news as much if he's not playing and wearing cleats that really aggravate MLB and a bunch of other stuff, wearing T-shirts that aggravate everybody else. I mean, what he did this year was really good for the game of baseball, and I'm excited to see what he's going to do next year. And then finally, moving on into our last segment, which is fantasy football. Jake and I actually played each other this week. It did not go very well for Jake. It could have went a lot better for me, too. However, it was a, it was a tough, tough week for Jake. I mean, at Jake. the end of the week, you're still, you're still 4-0. Yep, correct. But um, I honestly, like, honestly thought at first, when I was first setting up my lineup, I was actually predicted to beat you. Yeah, and then you had, I, you messed with your lineup. I think I don't know what you did. But. Yeah, I, when I originally on Wednesday, I'm pretty sure when you checked, I had like four guys on a buy, or I had two guys on a buy, which was tough for you. So when you look when you look at the projected numbers, it was tough to see. But I mean, and it's not hard to lose games when you have like the number one quarterback in the NFL right now. That is true, and I took a big risk with Josh Allen this year, and he has not disappointed one bit, and he was out for a whole quarter this week and still put up 23, no, he put up 25 points. points. But, like, your team all the way around is just built. Like, your wideouts, you're, you're good. Your offense is, like, really good. And the Bears' defense, you know, their, their position rank's like 13 right now, so not bad, but, like... George Kittle put up 40 points, 40, yeah. and it was the first game back. Yeah, which was, like, that's that's big. I didn't, I put him in there. Too. Yeah, I put him in there not thinking that he was going to do too much this week. I was expecting maybe like 12. That was like at a good, good time, but like, right, yeah. and he's, he lost the game too. They, mm-hmm. they lost, so just shows you the targets that he's getting from Garoppolo. Well, I think that's why you got to keep him in there because he's going to get a lot more. Yeah. 
but it, I also would have absolutely annihilated you if Nick Chubb didn't decide to die in the first quarter. Not right. li- not literally, but, but he got hurt. He got he got hurt, and he's out four to six weeks, which is a big problem for me because he put up twenty plus points for the previous three weeks before that week. So it's gonna cause some problems for me. However, we'll figure it out. We'll get through it. I'm in a good spot right now, four and zero, sitting pretty pretty. You're just going to have to make a trade for a running back because DeAndre Swift, I mean, he did put up 15 points, but he's not a good running back. No, like, but I'm curious to see what he does with um, with the Lions. I think he's got a good opportunity to put some points up. However, we'll we'll see what we can do. I tried to – I picked up another running back. I claimed him the – who was it? The running back for – I think it was the Chargers, their backup running back. So we'll see what – happens there but yeah and i recently traded away michael thomas who (laughs) i didn't want to do it but i felt like right now it was the right moment to do it um you know michael thomas was predicted to come back this week he might come back next week he might not we don't know the thing is he was really messed up at the beginning of the year he's really hurt still um so i couldn't afford to keep him for too much longer i needed to do something and i ended up going out i got adam Thielen, who's a top 10 wide receiver and i got todd Gurley, who's always been a decent running back and Gurley put up 20 points for me the other day and then Thielen put up 26 so um trade was worth it you know I have two really good I got one of the better running backs in the league and I got one of the better wideouts in the league for arguably the best wide receiver in the game but he's hurt right now so it wouldn't do anything for me um so that was a really big help and a big disappointment for me this season is Kenyon Drake he was supposed to he was predicted to put up you know he was supposed to be one of the better running backs in the league and he was predicted to put up 15 plus points a week but i haven't even got that from him i got 14.5 in week week one 11 in week two nine in week three and guess what a solid 3.5 in week four not not too hot i think i might i'm honestly thinking about either trading him or dropping him but it's not he's not doing the trick for me no not at all i had him last year and he did very good for me yeah, he's a, he's supposed to be a good running back. But he was also on a different style team with the uh, Dolphins, so who knows? Right, they ran the ball a lot more, I think. Yeah, so... Um, and they have Tyler Murray, who also runs the ball himself. Yeah, which can yeah. cause problems for a running back oh, right. on a yeah. team and for Jake, who needs points. But Tom Brady, for you, put up thirty three po- or 32 points. Yeah, well, I wasn't expecting Josh Allen to get hurt and sit out a whole quarter. So, I mean, yeah, fair. Well, that, that's a good wrap up. I mean, I beat Jake 150.1 to 119. I moved to four and oh, Jake, you are one and three. You are one and three. Not, not looking too hot on your side. You're what in your division? Still not last place. I am in third. Well, that's good. Good to hear. Way to take a positive out of that. (laughs) Anyway. You know what? I got a lot of hate beginning of the year but my team's not surprisingly you know max dost who is at sitting at a cool own four so i mean you're we not- have a couple other teams who are under 500 as well so yeah well to wrap it up thank you guys for listening um we'll be back next week hopefully in person where all this over the phone stuff will no longer be we'll be in person Audio will sound better. Hopefully you guys can stick with us for this last episode. And, yeah, thank you guys for listening. Jake, do you have any final thoughts? Nope. um, Just excited to get back to campus. Yeah. Good. 
good way to put that. Thank you guys for listening again. This has been the Wally Pip Podcast. I'm Ryan Upton. Have a good day.